Good morning, Spring Branch. How are we today? Woo! Woo! I like the enthusiasm over here. Welcome, welcome. So glad you're here. Let's pray real quick as we get started. God, thanks so much for this beautiful sunshine here, May 19th, 2019. It's a day that you have prepared for us. We're not here by accident. You are a sovereign God, and your plan was to have us here today together to worship you, uh, to walk out of here inspired, encouraged, uh, and more like you, Jesus. Open up our minds, our hearts, and God, do something amazing in us this week, um, Lord, so that we can be uh, your followers, uh, empowering others uh, to live for you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. What do a remote control and a set of car keys have in common? Anybody? Help me out. Can never find them. It's the same answer in the first service. A set of car keys and a remote control. When I have either one of those in my hands, I feel powerful. I don't know about you, but I feel powerful. I feel like I've got control, you know? I can, I can turn up the volume, turn down the volume of the TV, watch whatever show, whatever game I want. Uh, if I'm behind the wheel, I can go as fast or as slow as I want. I can, I can beat the GPS estimated time of arrival. Any guys out there love to do that? Yep, yep. The car keys and the remote control, there's something about those two things just makes me feel powerful. Every day in our house, we've got three kids, 10, seven, and five. Every day, there's a battle for power. There's a battle for power. And sometimes the inmates revolt, and you gotta watch out. And Lindsay and I have to stand firm and make sure our kids know who's in charge, who has the power in our household. But uh, a few days ago, my sweet, quote unquote, sweet daughter, Isley, seven-year-old Isley, comes up to me, and we just got home from a trip, and uh, she says, Daddy, 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 can I have the car keys? Can I have the car keys? I'm like, sure, yeah, here are the car keys. Here are the car keys. She wanted to not drive the car. I would never allow her to do that. Uh, but she wanted to be the first one up to our condo on the third floor and unlock our door. And so there's something about having the keys in your hand. And as a seven-year-old, it's like, all right, everybody's kind of waiting on me. I'm the person in charge. I'm the leader. And so there she goes off with the keys. No lie, 10 seconds later, Isley comes back. Lindsay and I were cleaning out some things in our car in the garage. And she says, Daddy, I lost the keys. I lost the keys. I'm like, how did you lose the keys? I just saw you 10 seconds ago. And so we walk over to the elevator, which you have to take to get up to our condo, and she pointed to the deep, dark crack. You know that little crack, right, between the floor and the elevator where the floor meets the elevator? The keys had fallen down in that deep, dark crack of the elevator. Oh, there's a picture. That's cool. So yeah, so we're like, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? She's, she's freaking out. I'm like a duck trying to remain all cool, calm and collected above the surface, but below the surface I'm like paddling away furiously trying to figure out what we're gonna do. Lindsay, who is brilliant, I definitely married up. Anybody marry up here? Uh, to use a football metaphor, I overkicked my coverage big time. She is definitely the smartest person in the room. Um, but she channeled her inner MacGyver and said, hey, first of all, we brought another set of keys, which we never bring. So went out to the condo. She's like, all right, I got a plan, I got a plan. She grabbed uh, one, of my, one of my golf clubs, one of the longest clubs, and then she attached a clothes hanger to it. We went back downstairs, and I'm, I'm like on my belly, and I've got like an inch to spare. And I can actually connect the hanger to the ring 
uh, to other keys, and I could actually bring up the keys, and I rescued the keys from the deep, dark crack of the elevator, and we all rejoiced and celebrated. But it was, it was a crazy moment. Isley felt a huge sense of relief, obviously, but um, we have all kinds of adventures at our house. Here's the point, here's the point, is that we've all been handed a set of keys. We've all been handed a set of keys. Maybe not by our dad, but by our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father has handed us a set of keys. And he has given us power. He's given us influence. He's given us responsibility. He's given us one life to make a difference. I think if we were being honest, we could all raise our hand and say, yes, Heath, I want to positively influence others. I want to leave a Jesus-sized dent in other people's lives. I want somebody else, when they're with me, to be better, to be a stronger follower of Jesus. Everybody agree with that? We want to make a difference. We want to be a change agent. We want to influence somebody else's life for good. We've got the keys. How are we using the keys that God has given us? The truth is, in a room this size, many of us have experienced hurt as a result of somebody in power. We felt belittled or demeaned. We felt manipulated, maybe bullied. Somebody was using their keys to abuse us or use us or manipulate us to force their issue, whatever it was. Maybe it was a boss or CEO or a dad or a mom. We've also been on the other side of that, or maybe we have had the keys as a parent or as a husband or as a friend or a coworker or a boss, and we have used our power to manipulate others. Maybe it wasn't our intention, but maybe it just happened, and we live with regret, maybe a little shame. The reality is we all have influence. We all have the keys. You have influence because you have power. You are a leader. You're a leader. Let that sink in for a second. You are a leader because you have influence. Maybe you're a mom or a dad, a wife or a husband. Maybe you're a friend or a coworker or a neighbor. Whatever role you find yourself in during the day, during the week, you have power. You have power. Check out this video from Danielle Strickland's message from last week's Global Leadership Summit. She's got a great thing to say about power. Let's talk about power. Power is the capacity or ability to influence the behavior of others or the course of events. We all have power because we all have influence. And abuse is to use to bad effect or for a bad purpose to misuse. What does abuse of power look like and how do we use our power for change? Now, I'm gonna ask you some questions right now. And the reason I'm gonna ask you them is because I think it's helpful for us to have a really sober look at how we use the power that we have. Some of us have great power and some of us have a little bit of power, but how we use our power is the measure of our leadership. How we use our power is the measure of our leadership. A misuse of power is coercion and threats. A good use of power is negotiation and fairness. Let me ask you these questions. Are you kind to those you lead? Are you treating them well? Are you fair in the decisions that impact them? Can you accept change? Here's a misuse of power is intimidation 
And a good use of power is non-threatening behavior. Let me ask you these questions. Do you cut people off when they're talking? Do you dismiss ideas? Do you close yourself off from interaction or feedback? There's emotional abuse or there's respect. Do you value and actively listen to others? Do you show regard for other people's traditions or opinions or feelings or experiences? These are important questions for us to contemplate about how we're using our power. So we all have keys. We all have power. We all have influence. As a result, we are leaders. And the true measure of a leader is how we use the keys that God has given us. I want you to feel the weight. I want you to feel the responsibility that we have as human beings to influence other people's lives, both negatively or positively. We're either pushing people towards Jesus or we're causing them to walk away from Jesus. That's the reality. The truth is we have the most powerful person who ever walked the face of this earth. We have Jesus to learn from. And Jesus was generous with his power. He was generous with his power. I mean, think about that. He created the world, the universe, the stars, the galaxies, the beach, the sunset, the sunrise. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by him. He saved us on the cross because he was perfect. He was pure. He was holy. He was sinless. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is the great physician. He is the resurrection and the life. He is our creator, our savior, our sustainer. He is the good shepherd. I mean, he is God in the flesh, Jesus. The most powerful person who ever walked the face of this earth. How did he use his power? How did he leverage his power? Did he abuse his power to force the envelope, to force his way to control other people? Or was he born humbly in a manger? Did he arrive in Jerusalem not as a warring king on a chariot, but humble and riding on a colt, a donkey's colt? Did he look to not be served, but to serve and give his life away as a ransom for many? Here's Jesus with no ulterior motives. Here's Jesus compassionate when he saw the crowds and when he sees us, he's filled with compassion. That's what compels him to lead. And he looks for ways to be generous with his power. So what better place to look than the example of Jesus and his leadership? There are three ways that Jesus was generous with his power as a leader. Let's start in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. We read this. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. By the way, if the Son of God needs to get on his knees and pray to his Father, how much more do we? Every day, it was Jesus' intention to be on his knees in complete submission and complete reverence before his Heavenly Father. And he prayed to God for wisdom, for discernment, for direction and guidance. He continued all night in prayer. When day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Apostles is the word for 
a messenger who is sent on a mission. In a sense, we're all apostles, right? God has hand-selected us to be on mission as his messengers. He named the apostles Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, and the rest. So first we see that Jesus, as a leader, he was generous with his power because he identified others. He identified them. He identified the people that he wanted to impart his life into. See, his life was not about his own glory or his own fame. He was about loving others and serving others. Yes, ultimately he wanted his father uh, to be glorified through his life here on earth, but he wanted to, to love others and that was the way that he was honoring the mission that God had given him. So his life was about, okay, okay, how am I gonna continue this legacy? How am I gonna leave a mark behind in this earth? How am I gonna, am I gonna make these, these 33 years on the face of this earth matter? Because as it says in James, our life is like a mist that appears and then disappears. I mean, how fast is life flying by, friends? We're in the fast lane. The more you see how many days you have left, the more serious you get about your time now. Wouldn't you agree? The Bible says to number your days because you'll gain a heart of wisdom. Life is about relationships. <laughs> when it all boils down to it, your top priority should be leading people, influencing people, sharing the power that God has given you with other people. Who have you identified? Have you prayed to God, God, who is it that you want me to multiply myself into? Who is it that you want me to lead? Who is it that you want me to impart my wisdom into? What power has God given you? What resource has he given you? And how are you sharing that with other people? Mark Batterson author of Circle Makers says this, he says, we should be praying circles around people, meaning we should be uh, praying, a, he praying hedge, a hedge of protection around people. We should be specifically praying for uh, specific people, audacious, bold prayers. I've been thinking about my kids and how, man, I would love for my kids in junior high and high school, those crazy tough years to have a Kelly Cox, to have a Addie Cox, to have a Christy Owens, a Eric Fretz, a Natalie Farthing, a, a John Marsh. I want my kids to have a person of influence outside of me and Lindsay to mentor them, to walk alongside them and help them be all that God made them to be. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. Who have you identified? Maybe you're a dad, maybe you're a mom, maybe you're not. Maybe you're a boss or a CEO or a coach or a teacher or whatever spot God has placed you in. It's not an accident. It's really not. Where you live and where you work is on purpose and he's put you there for a purpose. Have you identified the people around you and are you intentional to pray for them? Specific, bold, audacious prayers, praying circles around them because there's an opportunity it's an opportunity for you to influence them and share your power, share your gift with them, the love of Jesus. What's at stake? Everything's at stake. Jesus knew there was so much at stake. It was such a big deal because he was there for a certain amount of time. The gospel, the good news had to be unleashed to the world. Who were the guys that he was gonna, he was gonna call to be the messengers to go out into the world and spread the good news? 
that Jesus has forgiven us through the cross. We've got the cure for the, for the most terminal, deadly disease in the history of mankind. We're all sinners. The wage of sin is death, but we've got the good news. We've got the cure. Who are you sharing that with? Because the time is ticking, and we've got an opportunity every day to identify the people, to invest in them, and to empower them. Let's keep reading. So Jesus identifies us. He identified the, the disciples. He was generous with his power. And he said to them in Matthew 4, 19, he said to them, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. He said, follow me. He was walking along the Sea of Galilee. He sees a group, of, a group of dudes fishing. You see, these were Jewish boys. They were young teenage boys who had missed the cut in rabbi school. You know, big thing back then was to memorize Genesis all the way through Deuteronomy and be able to answer all these theological questions about God. And so they had to default back to their father's trade, which was fishing. And so obviously they had missed the cut. And so there they were, ragtag group of dudes fishing and Jesus the rabbi comes along and he says follow me follow me I mean those two words had so much meaning and so much weight he's basically saying I believe you can be just like me and I want to give you my power I want to give you my authority because there's so much at stake and of course they drop their nets immediately I always wondered you know when you watch those movies with you know Jesus with the long flowing hair with that little weird accent. He's like, follow me. And then the disciples, like, like robots, drop their nets, like, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. You know, it was kind of weird. But well, you know the context and the background. Of course, they dropped their nets immediately because here was this rabbi saying, I believe you have what it takes. He wasn't calling the equipped. He was going to equip the called. So stop making excuses. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough power or authority. God has placed that within you. And he is calling you and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's what life is all about, being a fisher of men. Identifying others, investing in others, empowering them. And the second way that Jesus is generous with his power is that he invested in them. He invested in them. He said, follow me. The best gift we can give anybody is our time. I mean, how many of you, uh, you've experienced a difficult time in your life and, and someone just came alongside you and just sat with you for two hours over lunch or coffee? Maybe, maybe you didn't say much. They were just with you. The power of with, right, goes a long way. The best gift you can give somebody is your time, right? Words of affirmation are important. Acts of service are, is important. But just being with somebody, that's how you really invest in them. You know, many of us have invested in this church, you've invested financially in this mission, this vision that God has given Spring Branch over the last 26 years to reach people who are far from God and help them grow in their faith. Maybe you've invested in local charities or local missions, local nonprofits. Maybe you have some stocks that you check in on a weekly basis. But maybe the wisest investment we can make is people. 
Maybe the wisest investment that we'll ever make is people and relationships, pouring our time, our treasure and talents into people, being generous with our power and relationships. What if that was your priority? Invest in people, that's what Jesus did. He spent spent a significant amount of time with these boys. Three years, every day, every week, every month, those guys followed him around so closely Uh, People say that they were covered in the dust of their rabbi because they were following him so closely. Like, what's he going to say next? I want to walk like him. I want to talk like them. Are you covered in the dust of your rabbi? Can people tell that you're following Jesus because you got his dust all over you? You know, Simon Sinek, who is is a common speaker for the Leadership Summit, he says that a boss has a title, but a leader has the people. Which one do you want to be? A boss has a title, a leader has the people. A a, a position may give you the power to control somebody else, but it's trust that will give you the opportunity to empower somebody else. Trust gives you permission to empower people, to lead people. Simon Sinek says that the, the best quality you can have as a leader may not be power, it may be trust. And trust has to be built up over time. Has to be built up over time. Earn the right to be heard. Listen to people. Study people. Walk with people. Invest time into people. Who has invested in you? I mean, I think we could all raise our hand right now and you could say, Heath, I had a teacher. I had a coach. I had a mom. I had a dad. I had a neighbor. Uh, They didn't realize it at the time, but they were, they had, identified me and they were investing in me. You know, when I was growing up in church, I may have shared this before, forgive me, but I remember sneaking out during the church services to play ping pong. Uh, if you play me in ping pong, that's why I'm good. I don't, know if I, I don't know if that's a good thing, but I spent a lot of time during church playing ping pong. But my pastor, after every service towards the end of high school, for some reason he saw potential in me and he would pull me aside. His name was Chuck. He had white hair. He, he like shrunk an inch like every year. Uh, but he looked like Moses and the Apostle Paul straight out of the Bible. Uh, he had this aura about him. And he would say, Heath, Heath, that's going to be you up there someday. That's going to be you up there someday. And I just snuck out during his message to play ping pong. <laughs> uh, I was the one flirting with the girls uh, during the service. But he saw potential in me. He was generous with his power. He was generous with his encouragement. He spoke life into me. He spoke a future into me. And there Lindsay and I are in California in seminary, pinching pennies, and Chuck and his wife Pat sent a check to us every two weeks with a little sticky note that says, I believe in you. Praying for you. Praying for you, Heath. God has a call in your life. I just got shivers just now thinking about that. But he had identified me, and he had invested in me, and he was, he was empowering me to reach my potential. I wouldn't be here today without dear old Pastor Chuck, who passed away a couple years ago. Who has invested in you? Who are you investing in? Because that one investment could change the world. That one seed will eventually come up and produce so much fruit. What difference are you making in people's lives? 
How are you generous with your power? Because you have influence and you are a leader. Who have you identified? Who are you investing in? Luke chapter nine, one through two, we'll keep reading. And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So the third way that Jesus as a leader is generous with his power is that he empowered others. He planted his power into other people's lives. We've already kind of talked about that. He identified others, he invested in them, and he empowered them. Let's read back uh, verse one in chapter nine. Uh, He gave them power. It's this Greek word dunamai. It's a fun word to say, dunamai. Dunamai. It's this word that, where we get the words dynamite from, dynamic from. It's like this explosive dynamite power that God has planted and placed in each and every one of us. Do you know that? Do you know that? Paul says in Corinthians, he says, don't you know, Lee, Stephanie, Kelly, don't you know that you are God's temple and that his spirit dwells within you? Don't you know? Don't you get it? Stop living on your own human effort and strength. Stop living in your own fleshly strength. God's power, his dynamite, explosive power is within you. And it's prayer that can unleash that power. It's prayer on your knees, just like Jesus before your father that can, that can unleash and activate that power. Stop living on your own strength and activate that dynamite power that is within you. This word means basically the, 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 power, the power to achieve. And it's God's inherent abilities inside us. Jesus, pretty powerful. I mean, he's pretty powerful. He changed water to wine, walked on water. Uh, Through him, all things have been made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made, John 1. I mean, his power, the power of the resurrection, defeating death, is inside each and every one of us. Don't live another day apart from that power, that dynamite power. 120 times throughout the New Testament, we read about this power because it's something, it's something important, and God wants us to know about it. As a mom and as a dad, as a husband, as a wife, uh, whatever place you find yourself in in life, as a friend, as a coworker, as as a boss, you have that power to influence people, that dynamite power. Also in that verse is a word authority. Authority is uh, uh, where power is, is the, the power to, uh, to achieve. Authority is the power to act. It's the power to act. It's almost like God is saying, I give you the jurisdiction. I give you liberty. I give you domain. I give you permission to, to, uh, to, to create and to lead. I entrust you. I give you my power and my authority. How cool is that? Uh, last night, I stood by the ocean in Cape Charles, I had the privilege of officiating a wedding of a couple who is a part of Spring Branch, and it was a great time together, perfect weather. Um, but I, I wouldn't have been there if I hadn't gone to court first. I had to go to court. Um, I've been ordained for a couple years, uh, so I had that, uh, had that power, so to speak, 
uh, power. I, I, I had achieved that part of it. But I had to go to the court in Virginia Beach to get the authority. And the lady across the desk said, all right, you're good to go. You have the authority to marry anybody in Virginia because Virginia is for, there you go, you're listening, thank you. So I had the power and authority and last night I said, by the power vested in me, the state of Virginia, as a minister of the gospel, I pronounce you husband and wife. And so I had the power, I had the authority, I had the power uh, to achieve I had the, and I had the power uh, to act. And God has given us the power and authority to go out, to go out and influence others. How are you using the keys that God has given you? So he empowered them. He sent them out. He sent them out. And that was, by the way, after they had observed him doing the same thing. He noticed that a few verses prior, uh, they're following him around and watching him proclaim the gospel, watching him heal people and teach And he says, all right, boys, you've seen me do it. Go for it. Now, did Jesus feel like, okay, they're 110% ready. They've got it all figured out. Probably not, right? Probably not. But he said, all right, the only way you guys are going to learn is if you just go out, figure it out. So we see that he prayed for them. He stayed with them, spent time with them, and he made them leave. You with me? So he sent them out. At some point, you just kind of have to hand the keys over. You've invested some time. You prayed for this person or this group of people, and you send them out. You send them out. So that's what they did. They went out. Um, they went out and were doing the same thing that he, he taught them to do. Verse uh, 18 of chapter 28. This is a famous great commission, right? These are the parting words of Jesus to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. He says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority, there's that word, ekousia again, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, go, go. Go to church every Sunday. Go to church every Sunday and uh, live however you want during the week, and then come back to church and, you know, just go, go to church a certain time at a certain place with certain people. Going to church is important. I'm not knocking church. I'm a pastor at a church. I'm a little biased, but he doesn't say go to church every Sunday. Not only should we go to church and worship with our friends and our family, but we should go out. Go out. Your mission field is right between your feet. You can extend the power and authority and love of Jesus in your workplace, in your neighborhood, wherever you find yourself during the week. Church can happen wherever you find yourself. Uh, every Sunday morning, I go through the drive-thru at McDonald's over uh, on Shore Drive, and there's the same lady in the drive-thru, and she says, going to church today? I'm like, yep, going to church today. I get an oatmeal, some fruit in it, some walnuts. It's really good. And uh, the other day, I told her, I was like, are, are, are you going to church today? because I'm the pastor, I'm supposed to ask that. And she said, actually, I'm having church right here. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yes, you are. She's like, I can have church anywhere. Uh, I was like, amen. Uh, so you can have church anywhere. Go to church, but then go make disciples. Believing in Jesus is not just about talking about it. It's about walking it out. Not as being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. James talks about looking in the mirror and then walking away and forgetting what you look like. I'm guilty of that sometimes. I'll read the Bible, I'll go to church, hear a great sermon, and then 
Uh, and then somebody will ask me two hours later or during the week, hey, what'd you learn on Sunday? What was the sermon about? I can't remember. Or I'll have a quiet time in the morning and I'll forget what I studied. It's all about applying and doing and living it out. Jesus says, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Craig Rochelle talks about the two currencies of empowerment. He talks about clarity. Jesus was very clear about what he wanted his disciples to do. He's very clear about what he wants us to do. Go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them, right? Clear instructions, clear instructions. The what and the where was very clear, but you know what he left hanging out there and unknown was the how. He didn't specify the how because he trusted them. Clarity and trust together. Clarity without trust leads to fear and inaction, right? Uh, But trust without clarity, uh, you you have no idea what direction to go, right? You got to have both. And Jesus had both clarity and trust. You know, when I first got here, uh, it's almost a year, by the way. I uh, got here June 10th. We, uh, we pulled into the parking lot at our condo, and then two days later, showed up here for my first day of work. Uh, I, I didn't know what, what my rhythm each week was going to be like, but Michael, kudos to him, he started giving me opportunities to preach, to get up here with a microphone and preach God's word. And I've told him a few times, Michael, thank you so much. Thank you so much for allowing me this privilege, this honor of getting up on stage and preaching God's word to people at Spring Branch. Because, you know, he planted this church 25, 26 years ago, and he's gotten used to a certain amount of times up here on the stage. But, but you know what he did? He identified me. He identified me. And he has invested in me. And he is empowering me. And, you know, I, I feel like I've gotten a little bit better every time, get a little more comfortable. And he's like, you know, just go up there and figure it out. Thanks for your grace as I've grown in this. But I'm so thankful for Michael as our leader, identifying me and investing in me and empowering me to be up here. What a great privilege. Who are you investing in? Who are you identifying as someone who you wanna empower and help them live out their potential? Becky Broden, author Becky Broden says that leadership is not about wielding authority. It's not about wielding authority, it's about empowering people. It's not about delegating tasks. It's about giving people the authority to go out and live out their potential for Christ. Verse 12, chapter 14. This, is, this may be the best part of the whole message. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things. Whoa, 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 back the truck up. All the lights in our dashboard should be going off right now. You will do even greater things, Spring Branch, than Jesus did. Last time I checked, Jesus did some pretty great things. But then he says, because I'm going to the Father. One of the most powerful things Jesus ever did was he took off. He left. He ascended into heaven. He didn't leave the disciples hanging. He left them with the Holy Spirit. He left them with his presence inside of them. 
they will do greater things, and they did even greater things than he did. We have an opportunity to do great things. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is within us. His power is at work within us. No matter what difficult place we find ourselves in during the week or in our lives, God's presence is at work within us. And he says, if we believe in him and have faith in him, we will do even greater things. The bottom line today is this. Jesus empowers us to empower others. Who are you empowering? Who are you empowering? How are you being generous with your power? Jesus empowers us to empower others. How are you empowering others? I have this quick video from Craig Rochelle to wrap things up. What will we do as leaders? As leaders, we will lead with profound humility and with furious resolve. We will cast a vision for a brighter future. We will inspire others to do more than they even think is possible. We will strive for excellence, giving our best and demanding the best from others. We will ask for the wisdom to make the difficult calls, and we will apologize whenever we get it wrong. We will confront injustices and we will right wrongs. We will speak up for those who have no voice. We will have the courage to stand up when others back down and we will get better because when the leader gets better, everyone gets better. You get better as a leader. When you become more like Christ, the best leader who ever walked the face of this earth, everybody around you gets better. Everybody around you picks up what you're walking in. Because you've got the keys. Every time you get your keys and get into your car or grab your keys to walk into your house, just remember that the Heavenly Father has given you keys. He's given you the keys to the kingdom. And he has entrusted you with the responsibility to identify and invest and empower others because there's so much at stake. Life is short, life is short, and we have an opportunity to influence others with the power that God has given us. Let's pray. Let these words from the Apostle Paul soak in to your hearts this morning. Paul says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power, dunamai, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And he concludes by saying, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God, I pray right now that each of us in this moment, that we would first ask for forgiveness. Maybe there's one area of life that we've just been holding on to so tightly. 
maybe a set of keys that we haven't been willing to, to share with others. God, may we release our grasp. God, help us to identify and invest and empower others to reach their potential, just like you have done and are doing for us. God, may we give our lives to you because your power is at work within us to do great things. We pray all this in your powerful, precious, beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.